Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Welcome. It's June 9, 2020, a year that will live in infamy and history books, to be sure. And it's a Tuesday, and I think that means my sister Susan's on the other line. Hi. Hi. Hi, Suze. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, a lot of stuff to cover, as usual. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard to know where to start, <laughs> always. I came upon a, uh, a quote from, I've been coming upon a lot of quotes from James Baldwin. Haven't you? I mean, when you, you're yeah. reading about this, my gosh, I got to go back and read him. Um, James Baldwin, wow. Everything he wrote, in mostly in the 60s, I think, would... I mean, is still could be written today, which of course shows that we have not, as a nation, moved forward enough on racism in this country. We just haven't. We make little bits of progress here and there, even big steps of progress here and there, but the underlying condition doesn't budge. No, you know, letting letting six people through and the rest of things don't change yeah. doesn't really change. No, and, and, and the majority of America still is unwilling to get it, to listen, to hear, to open their ears, their hearts, their minds. And um, it is, I suspect, mostly because they're defensive. <laughs> they're defensive. They're afraid. They're, they're, what's at risk to them is, as far as they can tell, their, their precarious perch on, uh, on superiority. Yeah. James Baldwin said, and, um, and I'm starting to feel little glimmers of hope. Um, I saw one guy who said, I'm pessimistic pessimistically optimistic. Right. <laughs> There's a right. lot more. But, well, we're starting from a far, from, from a, 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 a gratefully um, diverse, far more uh, white participatory place than we have in past years. Well, I would also say that I don't think this would be happening if it weren't for the pandemic, um, if we weren't in For the pandemic state. and Trump, all of these things. Yeah, that's a, all of it added to a moment where finally we can concentrate when, when our, whatever. I, I mean, I think, as I said, my gosh, 2020 in the history books, good God. I mean, you could. But there is something true to that, Lynn. I mean, there's, I, I mean, I've heard it said more than once. I I don't have a job, or I I don't have to go to work. I might as well change the world. Wouldn't it be something if um, twenty twenty? I I know. Get you okay. Just take care of yourself. Wouldn't it be amazing if twenty twenty becomes the year where Americans begin to see 
more clearly their history, their complicity, their reality. 2020 vision. Let's hope. But I started with James Baldwin, and here's the quote. One discovers the light in darkness. That is what darkness is for. And it's sort of like in this time of pandemic and economic uh, chaos and, and, uh, and George Floyd's death and the, and the police brutality, this darkness, we have an opportunity to discover the light. That's what darkness is for. I like it. I know it's sort of the exact opposite. I can't talk yet. It. I know you. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just. I choked real good. I choked okay. real good. Yeah, you did. Do you have water? She's okay. She's a big girl. She can take care of herself. Um, I um, I want while Susan's uh, getting her herself together. <laughs> I want to, I, there is such a wonderful piece written by um, General Petraeus, remember him, Uh in the uh, Atlantic, and it is about uh, getting rid of the names of uh, these Confederate generals that uh, adorn some of our biggest military bases. Fort Bragg, for instance. Uh, Fort Benning. Benning and Bragg were Confederate generals. And as Petraeus points out, not even very good generals on top of it. They were traitors. What are they doing? Why are their names honored and emblazoned on America's um, leading uh, military bases? Because even back then in America, no one really loses. Well, (laughs) um, (laughs) Petraeus says in part, plainly put, Robert E. Lee, Jackson, Bragg, all of them committed treason. The majority of them had worn the uniform of the U.S. Army. And the U.S. Army should not brook any celebration of those who betrayed their country. Yeah. Without a doubt. So while we're while the Marines the other day banned the Confederate flag from any, you cannot have a Confederate flag even on a mug at your desk in any Marine right. facility. You certainly can't right. have one draping your your you know decorating. It can't be bunk. on the wall. It can't be a bumper sticker. You cannot have it. Well, clearly, this kind of thing, the statues are coming down, and they need to come down. This is, we have finally, police, got 
to put the Confederacy where it belongs, which which is in the ash heap of history, not in a place of any honor. No, and not and not lied about. We, you know, stopped this. That was a. St- it wasn't about slavery. No, no. Well, ridiculous. I, I mean, know, ridiculous. I really? Yeah, yeah. That was okay. one of the things that actually made it into the school books. <laughs> Just beyond belief. And enough, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, there is Susan. I I I know you've heard it, and I've seen it and I've um, cried I've cried through it twice and I yeah, well uh, I'm going to quoted that eloquent broad you do it okay well I'm not going to quote her I'm going to play some of it no play it it's just okay. magnificent this and I'm I'm assuming some of you have um have perhaps seen this because if anything goes viral if anything is a American racism 101 opening lecture here is why black people are angry, okay? Here is why black people, for all kinds of reasons, live in more poverty, live in everything, everything. Here is... Lynn, play the but, whole thing. You need, she needs, you need to give her the time to... Well, I'm going to I'm gonna play most of it, but it, it, okay. it, I, believe me, I'm going to play most of it, but I'm going to get... I, I'm I'm looking for it now, and I want to put it on where um, excuse me where she because it's such a useful metaphor where maybe people can begin to comprehend where she talks she teaches by using the game of monopoly as the metaphor for how blacks have been just screwed over and over and over in this country. Um, here, let me let me just find it, and I think that I can get to a place where it'll still make sense, and I won't have taken too much uh, from her. Okay, guys, this is going to run a few minutes. And um, whoa, 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 And I hope you, I hope you'll stay with me on this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Damn it. You know, I'm trying to do too many things at once. I just. This is Kimberly Jones. She is a uh, an author, and I've got a I've got to look at her. Okay, here we're here we're getting to where I think we can pick it up. She's talking to us and trying to make us understand. Okay, here we go. Where they taught me this is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the south and the textile work in the north. Do you understand that? That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the south and the textile work in the north. Now, if I right now, if I right now decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you, and for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money. I didn't allow you to have anything on the board. I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly, and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. 
every time I listen to it. We are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. Yeah. We could be Marie Antoinette. It's the way we've been behaving. She did that off the top of her head on a street corner. Um, which explains some of the the noises you were hearing. Kimberly Jones, she's an author and an angry, righteously angry black person in America. I well, imagine how disheartening it is to explain to a bunch of, excuse me, dumb fuck white people why. A black person could possibly be angry. Oh, and rem- yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, just imagine yeah. how, as right. you're doing it, how preposterous the whole thing is, and how you're so angry. Yeah, I, I get it. You remember when uh, when Obama was president, and one of the things that uh, we learned was that he knew he could never appear to be angry. Because white folks did not did not like angry black people and angry black men. 
And he knew that the minute he projected as an angry black man, he would not be able to do what he wanted to do, which is try to bring the country together. So even as president, Barack Obama was asked to be president with sort of one hand tied behind his back. Our first black president did, was not able to do what he could have done if he were a white president, because blacks in this country are constantly restricted, constricted. We have a call. Caller, go ahead. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Hi. It's David from Hampton. I, I told you I'd call you back when um, after the elections, and I, I'm sorry. I, I just was tied up and couldn't get a call out to you, but is this a good time to call you back and talk to you for a few minutes? Well, are you on topic? Oh, yes, yes. Well, I, then, sure, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, there was a gentleman on NPR, I believe that it was uh, yesterday, the day before, who was talking about the same thing happening with these Texas Rangers that uh, were doing uh, horrible things to the Mexican-Americans and, and Mexican people. Um, and they, you know, they were whitewashed. They were considered to be heroes. But, but they were terrorizing. They were, they were a vigilante bunch who mm -hmm. were... Um, you know, there there was a, I know there was a show on when I was a kid about uh, Texas Rangers being these wonderful people that 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 helped the the need. Well, there's tons of shows about cops of all stripes about them being yeah. heroes. I mean, we've exactly. always I mean talk about I mean as we're a country who who uh, raises up uh, treason the people who uh, made war on our on our union and uh and we still I, yeah nothing new there so texas rangers are like uh you know police departments all over the country and a lot of these people came out of the civil war and mm -hmm. they were um they were horrible they were they were um their whole design was to terrify um anybody that wasn't white is right. what it amounted to. It's, and, uh, it's sort of like an offshoot of the KKK. They, they were there to keep to keep uh, any people who thought that maybe uh, their time had come. That they were there to disabuse them of uh, of that notion. Yeah, the author the author stated that that they were the uh, Western equivalent of the KKK. KKK, sure. And, and that right. their terroristic tactics. Um, were directly um, related to... Well, to uh, well, when you think of how many Americans have been schooled in this propaganda forever, generation after generation, to venerate uh, terrorists, to venerate traitors, we got a lot of work to do oh, yeah. at re-education. It's I, as I, simple as that. I still recall seeing on Sunday morning, on Saturday you'd see the cartoons, on Sunday you'd see the bombs coming out of the airplanes and the, the paratroopers and there'd be uh, music in the background that was patriotic and you'd, 
you know, me as a little boy, I thought, oh, that's what I should be doing when I grow up. I should be killing people. You know, I should be, you know, carrying yeah. out war, you know, the war yeah. machine. I mean, it's, yeah, I hear you. Know, you. You, got, you got the propaganda from the beginning. It was inevitable right. that it was inevitable that we'd all get sucked in. Yeah. Thank but, you. Uh, I appreciate anyway. that. Thank you, David. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. Bye. You too. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, in the day when there was just a few TV stations and the and they'd sign off like around 11 p.m. and what would come on would be the American flag and they'd play like uh, the Star Spangled Banner and then they'd show like you know jets, you know, and and, and you know military yeah. might. Yeah, the flag Why waving. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? How we, it's why I can't understand it, you know, uh, to well, honor people, the military the country, jet yeah. flyovers. Who, that's why, how is that, I mean, how is this militaristic crap supposed to make our hearts swell with pride? I'm sorry, go. <laughs> Jesus, you've taken my breath away, Liz. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Susan. <laughs> go ahead, get a word in now. No, I got I'm I Oh God. Oh God, I'm so worried that we're not gonna people are Well, yeah, you know, I just uh the pro there's a group of people that are very clearly showing themselves, you know, who they are and there are the people that when they hear when when they see a slogan like defund the police, they just they go ah. So who are you going to call? I mean, you can't, you know, and I'm going, well, you know, uh, understand that a slogan isn't a policy and that, you know, perhaps what people are saying is that we want to redirect some of the resources that we have put in police departments. And when you think about, I mean, we really, we, we should talk about this. I mean, we are asking the police to deal with an opioid crisis caused by big pharma. Remember that's and that's, uh, you know, that's got a lot of white folks involved, and there's no place to go for them. There are no beds for them. There are no treatment programs because we have defunded mental health care in this country, correct? Correct. We've defunded a lot of things that nobody squats. We've defended K through 12 education. Yeah, we sure did that. Nobody cared about that. No, no problem there. When we say defund the police, what we are actually saying, but it's way too big to put on a slogan, let's reallocate some of those resources to the places where they are better spent, reactivate some of the things that we have been asking the police to do, all along that they aren't simply aren't qualified to do uh, and a lot of the a lot of the mayhem that occurs at the hands of police happens to people with mental illness that's right you know and and there i mean there there are all of these problems across the board and the police uh don't react well to any of them and that creates another thing that we need to talk about which is how cops must all have post-traumatic stress disorder and how mandated health care isn't required. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is... So when you say defund the police, what they're really saying is let's start looking at the base causes. And that's what this woman was saying, too. Right. 
Exactly. May I ask why? Not what happened. Ask why it happened. Yes, not what. Why why it happened. Why? And be willing to open your head, your heart, for God's sake. But if your reaction is to say, well, that's ridiculous, we can't do that, 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 isn't that silly, and walk away and be satisfied that you know that what they are asking for is really stupid, then we we also know who you are. Yeah. Because anybody else is saying, please explain. You know, what is amazing to me is how, um, well... I don't know. It, the police brutality that we are now seeing has always happened, has always been happening. I mean, this is how black communities have had to live with a sort of occupying army of racist uh, cops on their, on their streets and with no recourse. And thank God for these cell phones now that you can't, I don't see how the supporters of, you know, just knee-jerk supporters of cops can not pause now and say, yow, yike, something ain't right here. I mean, I mean, you aren't supporting police officers if you take no notice of what they're being asked to do and lift a finger to help. Yeah. That's all of these things. And, yeah, then we have to deal with the underlying racism that the unfortunate uh, effect of all of this is disproportionately heaped on one group of people over others. (sighs) Which is what gets us to this particular moment. And, you know, I mean, we find out now, what, that um, the state police in, in, many, in, in Minneapolis were, were slashing, were openly slashing tires of the cars of not only protesters, but uh, journalists. So that people who were at, in whatever capacity, some of these um, some of these protests came back to find their cars were just totally uh, their tires were slashed, and people watched as the cops did this, and listen to what state patrol uh, spokesperson said when asked about it. Uh, the state patrol troopers strategically deflated tires. In order, <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't you like to wouldn't you like to see the guy in 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 you know in in uh, city court you know who's been caught out vandalizing saying well you see judge I was I strategically <laughs> deflating <laughs> yeah, right give me a break strategically deflating tires in order to stop behaviors. Such as vehicles well, driving, leaving. Right. What I, I mean, um, just unbelievable, unbelievable. And 
one thing after another, after another, another unarmed black man. I, 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 I couldn't even bear to look at the story in a traffic stop. I think this is Massachusetts was shot dead in the last day, I think. Do we know his name? I don't know. It just... How can it keep happening right when now? When they know we're paying attention and they don't stop. Now, a lot of them are getting smarter and they now, with the protests, have pulled back. They've stopped with these stupid curfews that were just designed to give them an excuse to use tear gas and batons on peaceful protesters. So in a lot yeah, of let places... Me, let me assure you, I, got, I, have, I have a police officer in my family, and I'll tell you from his perspective, he's just terrified. Um, he won't wear his... He, he does not ever leave work in his uniform for fear that someone's just going to shoot him. Um, and, what? And I mean, that's and he, now? That's now. Well, I, I don't think he has any reason to be afraid. The only people who have reason to be afraid are, are black people and protesters. Well, it's sort of what I, I, I have to say. I sort of felt that way. I, I sort of felt, well, now you know how some people yeah, feel all hello? the time. Hello. Well, now you know what it's like to fear of being shot for being exactly who you are. Well, that's what the protest is about. Yeah. Why don't you learn from it? And and, And let him know what Kimberly Jones said. See, he's thinking, and this is what they always think. Man, if I were black, you know, in his head, man, if I were black, I'd want to go out and shoot white cops. See, yeah, that's what they think. But what she says is you're lucky that what black people are asking for is equality and not revenge. These white people who are so afraid of blacks are afraid of them because they can't imagine why these black people but don't want to kill us. It's, but uh, it's fostered in the culture of these police departments, I'm telling you. Oh, oh, the police department culture is, first of all, it's us against them and us against the world, and that's only doubling down now, I suspect. We have another caller. Caller, go ahead. Oh, hi. Um, Yeah, just listening to what you said, there's the old military-industrial complex, right, out militarizing Mm-hmm. Police, but I wanted to ask if you guys saw the Banksy Banksy's latest work. You know the no. um, street artist. Yeah, sure. And I, I saw this, and it just—I was mentioning this to people last night, and people sort of get it, but not fully. I have understood this. I'll just read. You should look at it, but it says um, he—it's a picture of a flag with a vigil candle burning underneath it, and he wrote, "At first, I thought I should just shut up and listen to black people about the issue." But why would I do that? It's not their problem. It's mine. People of color are are being failed by the system, the white system, like a broken pipe flooding the apartment of the people downstairs. The faulty system is making their life a misery, but it's not their job to fix it. They can't. No one will let them in the apartment upstairs. It's a white problem. And if white people don't fix it, someone will have to come upstairs and kick the door in. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. just... It is a white problem. 
totally well, ours. And everybody's like, well, not completely, but we must fix the system. Well, Black because white people it. are the system. White people own right. our the system. We That's built it. the system. It worked for us, not for them. And you're right. We have to. He's right. We have to. But what we... I keep telling white people to shut up now, to shut up and listen, like listen to Kimberly Jones. But what we have to do is talk to other white people who have created this and perpetuate it. Our job is to talk to white people, not black people. I'll tell you what else our job is. Our, our, Our job is not to stop. Our job is not to do what we always do in this country, no matter what the protest, no matter what the movement. We throw a crumb, we say they're there, and then we, th- and then we feel much, 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 much better about ourselves, and nothing much changes. We've right. done it to the African-American community forever. We did it to women. You know, we do it to, we do it to everybody. We throw a crumb. We say, be grateful. Now go away. And the, and then the system just marches on as it always did. This right. time, it always, maybe we should, we should fix it actually. You know, that's how I felt it, when I saw, I'm sorry, when I saw Mitt Romney, you know, marching in the, in a march. You know what? Sorry, Mitt. Little too too late too, and and with the police taking a knee and and doing all this kind of stuff, they're try those are crumbs, those are crumbs, those are like all right, calm down, we hear you, we're here. That's I need pat head, head. Yes. yeah, pat yeah, no, ain't gonna ain't gonna work, ain't gonna work anymore. Well, and let's just hope that young people who are helping start this, and I think that we saw. And maybe the next time we have a mass shooting, too, especially of six-year-olds in one of our schools, right, that everybody just throws a crumb at, people will get in the streets, and there are certain things that people have just had it. And I'm glad that young people, young white people, are out there and just yeah. saying enough is enough. Yeah, I am, too. Thank you. Okay. Thank Bye. you for your call. Thank you very Thank much. You. Bye. And I really like that it's everywhere, that in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, on Sunday, there were thousands of people on the walnut street bridge uh and it was and it was really i mean if the green bay that that lynn and i grew up in uh was about as undiverse as you could get we represented the diversity and a couple of uh there were native americans and and native americans and jews and a couple of black packers well they didn't live there no, they couldn't. Um, <laughs> so, listen, I got to tell you, this, there is something different here. But Charles Blow pointed out today, this has got to be maintained. I think the powers that be, the old white power structure is saying, you know, let's just we get this country. Yeah, let's, just, let's wait this out. Wait this out. Um, and, um, you know, it'll die down. It always does. Just Keep quiet. Give them a little thing here. Give them a little thing there, and we'll be able to. Uh, this is what can't happen again. And Charles Blow pointed out that in the, on the Montgomery uh, bus uh, boycott um, that uh, Rosa Parks started, um, that went on for almost an entire 
year or past yep. year. It was it they at at great economic cost to them and difficulty they just kept it going. And that is how you finally make some progress. You have got to keep going, not let down. And God, I hope. And I feel too easily satisfied. No. You know, it's. Well, I, I, I can't. Let, let's hope. I mean, I feel more educated uh, than I was uh, two weeks ago. I feel more uh, aware and certain and resolved. And um, I'm not alone. And I know there are a lot of other people. Let's hope. And thank God we were all sort of in a situation where we could pay attention. Yeah. We're, we're not, you know, in our, our lives have slowed down in many ways because of the uh, virus. And so we had time to think, to pay attention, and to stop the normal sort of running around in circles that constitute our lives and that keep us from being involved. The crazy busy stuff of commercialized capitalism and uh, getting ahead capitalism and and all this kind of stuff it keeps us very very busy. Yes, it does. Very very busy and little time to you know do something like pay attention to something systemic something really big, something complicated and important. Well, that you, you know, to... and, and again, that's what the, the, that's one of the things that people are saying, you know, like, well, what do you expect us to do? Rewrite all the laws? And the answer is, uh, yeah. 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 That's exactly mm-hmm. what we, and just no. because it's hard and just because it's a lot, yeah, we got to go through those law books and we got to figure out which ones, uh, you know, are written with such intrinsic bias in them that they have to be rethought. There's and laws that give, the... yeah, they give cops qualified immunity, which allows them to do anything, which allows them to do anything. But you know what, Susan, before we rewrite the laws, we got to redo the legislatures that make yeah, those well, laws. Yeah, well, of course we do. Well, this is the most important part. Well, that's, I mean, that, that brings up the, that looming fact that there's an election coming up here. That's right. You can't do policy changes with, uh, with legislative bodies composed of people who, well, are a bunch of racists. Right. If you have a Republican-controlled legislature or Congress... I'm sorry, you got a racist controlled because the Republican Party is now a racist, neo-fascist, authoritarian party. There's no doubt about that. None. So we got to do two things at once. We got to do the protest part and the education part, and we got to do the policy part, which comes with getting involved in politics at the local levels, at the local level and the state level. Don't get so enamored with this national level shit. Just do it where you live. 
That's what we got to do. Meanwhile, yeah. Suze. Yes. Uh, 14 states in Puerto Rico have hit the highest seven-day average of new coronavirus infections in the last two weeks. Um, this thing is starting to go where it hadn't been. And it's uh, a little bit scary. I just want to point that uh, that out. Yeah. That, um, that we can't, you know, and it's and I... We can't forget that there's several things happening at once here, um, and and we and we have to keep all of these balls in in in, uh, in the air and plates on the stick. You know, it's there's a lot going on. Plates and on you the know, stick. By the way, yeah. Do you yeah, remember well, that, that Ed Sullivan Act? Yeah, I um, know, but you're showing your age. Do people know what plates on the stick mean? If they're young, of course, we got an older audience, probably. Well, anyway. Oh, that I, used to just make me so anxious. Ed <laughs> Sullivan show that guy would like have plates spinning on these little sticks, and he'd have like ten of them, and one would start like wobble, wobble. It's gonna, and he would somehow get back and spin it again, and it was like so. I, I still, my heart starts pounding when I even think about it. <laughs> God. I'm sorry. What was I going to tell you? Oh, oh, Port, you know, did you read the part about no one, not one person in Puerto Rico received a pandemic stimulus check? Oh, they left Port, they left Puerto Rico out because they don't think they're part of America. They don't think they're Americans. Isn't that something? Big shock. Man, do we have to send these people packing. Man, do we have to send them packing. Father Joseph is wondering something. I mean, he's absolutely right about this. He says, uh, you know, our our side isn't very good at expressing uh, ideas in a concise way. You know why that is? Because we understand that things are complex. <laughs> so we have trouble. If we had been better at sound bites, we'd be in power. You bet. Yeah. We don't do bumper stickers well uh-uh. because we are people who understand there's complexity and nuance. And, and, and so it's hard for us to find just three words that'll do it. On the other hand, the other side loves people to be simpletons loves bumper sticker arguments there uh can be they can be very emotionally powerful they can you know and and that i think more than anything that's why the republicans are so good at it because they think that way they think in this simple black white uh, you know kind of uh manner so that so that well, they can to do- examine might be to find out one is wrong correct well, I guess so. But it's true. Father Joseph says we ain't good at slogans. Um, and I think he's thinking that defund police is not, that's not a good one. There's a way to say that, but not, I don't know. Um, he said, you know, he says, you know, it's the economy, stupid. That was a, is that a, that's a good one. Or yes, that's a we, good one. Or yes, we can't. Yes, we can. That was a, don't you think that was a good one? 
Um, maybe maybe we should do okay. Let's. <laughs> well, he says here's the question: What should the slogan be for the Biden campaign? May, do they have one? I don't know. And he he has three offers: better together, Amer an America for all, or making a better America. Uh, I mean, I, I but see, I think what the other side has going is they, we're always appealing to people's better angels. And that doesn't have the visceral uh, pow of appealing to people's fear or hate, right? Don't you think? Yeah, I, you know. I mean, I don't know. I'm sitting here trying to think of slogans, and it's hard. <laughs> I know. Come on, people, think. I'm not good at this. I'm, I was never, I could never be a headline writer. I could No, no, I went off into a thing. That's, aren't snowflakes one of the strongest? Uh, um... Well, it's always the case. It's like pansies <laughs> are the strongest flowers. Snowflakes are like these incredibly strong structures. structures. And yet, for some reason, they are supposed to... Uh, typify, embody, uh, you know, personify a weakness. Go figure. Hey, well, got... as you know, that's why my, my boxing moniker is pansy. <laughs> right. Hey, I've got a, I have a totally, can we do just a little side trip now into something that is not, um, that's totally different? And... Not medication-inducing? Sure. Yeah. Do you recall, I have this vague memory of um, 10 years ago, this um, uh, art and antiquities collector in New Mexico, um, a guy named Forrest Fenn, he announced that he had uh, hidden a 42-pound bronze chest, and it was an antique chest, 42-pound bronze chest filled with jewels worth $2 million that he had hidden it in the Rocky Mountains. And he said, go look for it. Hunt for it. Um, he wrote a poem that was supposed to give people some clues and people came and went the Rocky Mountains. Well, it's just, you know, there's several well, mountain ranges. He narrowed it down. Well, <laughs> it is estimated that 350,000 people made an effort over the last decade, risked their lives looking for this buried treasure. The chest it was buried in was a, from the 13th century. And it had, you know, jewels, uh, valuables, artifacts, all this stuff that he said were easily worth $2 million. The chest itself was worth a ton. Five people died looking for it. Oh, for heaven's sake, just buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> Five people safer. 
died. <laughs> um, people quit their jobs to dedicate themselves to the mission. Um, the two others died searching for the, a pastor who lived in Colorado, a man who disappeared in Yellowstone Park, a 54-year-old guy from uh, also died, fell off a cliff, who knows what. They, people were dying. He was asked to call off the hunt. Actually, the New Mexico State Police said, please, stop this. A lot of people said it was all a bunch of bull, that there was no... Yeah, why would anybody do that in the first place, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Someone found it. Yep. Cool. Someone found it, and uh, this guy, Forrest Finn, who's still, he's 89 years old now, and he wrote on his website, the search is over, the treasure has been found. And the person who found it does not want to be known, wants to remain anonymous, and he says it's over. And the guy who found it sent him proof that he that he had it. So he said it's it's done. Cool. Isn't that but now there's a new mystery? Who has it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I completely understand that the guy who found it would want to, you know. That be anonymous, yes. Can you imagine? No, but I mean, no. Very cool. The poem, they, the the poem was called "The Thrill of the Chase." It was a twenty-four line poem. Um, and he said that he thought the purpose of it was to encourage people to immerse themselves in an old-fashioned adventure and to immerse themselves in the wilderness. Well, but mostly what people wanted was the loot. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, well, someone but... found it. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for, for finding these things that you do. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where I would have been without that little bit of knowledge. Yeah, seriously. And meanwhile, did anyone come up with any slogans? No. Because you know what? We're not good at it. I'm not good at it. I know that. I, I, but I, I just don't know. Listen, um, slogans ain't going to do it uh, this time. But we have to be careful that we don't, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot as we are, I suspect, want to do. The best thing, I'll repeat this ad nauseum, the best thing the Democrats have going for them is Donald Trump. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I th I really think the best thing all of this has going for it is Donald Trump because it's bringing all of these factions together. Yeah, yeah, it's just incredible. No, uh, none of this would have been happening if it all weren't happening, and uh, you know, it just uh, it, it it's it has me saying what I'm saying. I've been saying a lot lately. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah, because I think it takes every single bit of this for this movement to happen as it has. The time, the people, 
the president, the pent-up fury and anger of so many diverse groups and are really just, unavoidably just cause, cause. you know, yeah, let's, let's do it this time. And please, God, don't let us sit down. I know. That's what we can't do. So, Father Joseph has also sent me this. Norway requires three, <laughs> three years of training for a person to become a police officer. They have to complete a three-year bachelor's degree in police studies. And it's administered by a specific police university college. So they have a national, obviously then, that's the national, um, the thing is we have all these police departments and they all are little fiefdoms unto themselves. And there are very few, you know, national rules or even statewide rules about what constitutes a, um, a, you know, proper education uh, and training to be a police officer. And in order to even get into the training in Norway, you must meet certain requirements, um, of course. Now, as I said before, one of the things we do is we give veterans um, a step up. We have like an affirmative action program for police that if you're a veteran, you get like, um, you know, a lot of points added on to. And I don't think that's smart because veterans are people who learned how to be warriors. And that is where we go wrong with police. Well, not only that, but their veterans also come with PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. And a certain view that that it's they it's not the citizenry it's the enemy. Well, let's remember, Father Joseph is a veteran, well, so that's it's not. True. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that takes some real re-education. Although uh, I was listening with interest to a reporter yesterday talking about uh, who covers the armed forces talking about how discussions about the oath that a soldier takes um, uh, and when you, you know, and that you really have a duty not to follow an illegal order. That's right. Um, And these discussions are happening at the very, very lowest levels. Enlisted men are asking, and the discussions are happening all up and down the ranks because of what has happened with our president. Yeah. And I think it's a good discussion to have. I mean, in effect, they're asking permission. They're saying, let's review this. You know, I feel, again, that more hope. Mm-hmm. And hope because of some in the military, the generals, the generals who Trump, you know, embraced uh, in his first his year generals. in office. Yeah, my generals, he said. He mad dog Mattis. He just loved them. 
And Mattis is now. You have Mattis with his. Uh, I don't know. If, have you all read what he what he wrote? Um, it is strong stuff. Now he was Trump's first defense secretary. And then John Kelly said, "Yep, yeah, pretty much right." Yeah, that's right. So all these generals and H.R. McMaster has said, "Yes, right." Petraeus, yes, right. They are saying this guy is not fit. No, and I mean, among the things that Mattis said is that he had never in all of his life seen uh, a president who who was intentionally so divisive, who had right. no right. intention of uniting. And I mean, he just called him out on everything, which I think is good. History, you know what's amazing is how well these generals write. <laughs> Mattis's is very well written. Uh, Petraeus is extremely well written. His thing in the Atlantic. Let me just. Well, why do you think they aren't highly educated human beings? No, I, of course they are. But that doesn't mean you're a good writer. You know, writing is a whole different thing. I think. And anyway, I, let me just read Mattis's first paragraph. I have watched this week's unfolding events, angry and appalled. The words equal justice under law are carved in the pediment of the United States Supreme Court. This is precisely what protesters are rightly demanding. It is a wholesome and unifying demand, one that all of us should be able to get behind. We must not be distracted by a small number of lawbreakers. The protests are defined by tens of thousands of people of conscience who are insisting that we live up to our values, our values as people and our values as a nation. Now, that's strong stuff. And this guy, the fact that he was willing to serve in Donald Trump's cabinet tells you, I mean, he's probably not a liberal, right? Right. He's probably not. But he's an honorable man who probably thought, and he's a, you know probably pretty conservative politically. But that's when conservative meant something. These, this Republican Party, these are not conservatives. If you are a conservative, you would want to conserve the values, the supposed values of our country the ideals that we say, that we purport to stand for. And the, as I said before, it is, not, it is not a Republican Party that is recognizable anymore. Anyone who has chosen to stay in that party now is in a party that is an authoritarian proto-fascist party. I, I'm not even overstating the case. Nope. Why not? Unbelievable. So, right now, a clear and present danger to our country is the Republican Party. And is Donald Trump, and is Fox News, and is any of these enablers 
we've got we've got to stay in the streets. We've got to keep up and keep on. Yeah, we really got to get rid of these folks. I mean, we we've got to put them, you know, dig the swamp a little deeper and throw them back in. Well, I it's too bad, you know, a good 40% of the country um is is with them. Um and then uh of the other 60%, there's a whole bunch of others who really still need to be re-educated. You know, they're they're inclined, you know, that they're repelled by Donald Trump, but still maybe don't necessarily quite get it. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, hang on here. Uh, TV, Bob and Braddock writes, KDKA TV recently resurrected the tradition of showing a performance of the Star-Spangled Banner with jets, military glamorization and all as their impromptu intro video before the start of their morning news. You are kidding. Well, I mean, this militarism has infected everything. It has infected even, I've often posed the question, why when I go to a football game or a baseball game, do we do the Star-Spangled Banner? Do um, have military jets fly over? That is a militarization of entertainment, sport. It's insane. Well, it used to, yes, it is, but it used to stand for different things. It never stood for anything good. I mean, after Viet, I mean, after we saw what our military was asked to do in Vietnam, I mean, why? I when I look at those military jets, yeah, they're thrilling. The power, I mean, the thrilling in a abstract kind of a way of wow, look at that. But those are weapons of mass destruction. Yes, they are a sight. They are a reminder of our awesome power. Yes, it's almost like God. And I think our awesome power rests in those ideals that we need to live up to. Yeah, they have nothing to do with destruction. Ugh. All right. Yeah, a lot of that came out of the 50s, you know that. Yeah. Is our brother still there? He's still here. He won't, he, he's not leaving. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> sort, of, sort of messing up my once to, once a week grocery store thing. <laughs> what, you mean you have to, because he eats so much. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that you and Mom. I am too. I am, I, and Mom is too. She's uh, good and sick of me. Okay, is she swimming? 
She is. She's going to swim today. Yes, indeed. Good. She's Good. she's swimming most days because our brother barks her into the pool. <laughs> if she tries to dem- do to demure, she he says you'll feel better. Just get in there. Well, it's true, and she does. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. I wish I could be there too, but well, we wish I you could too. No, I can't. I'm. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. So this is just the way we gotta we gotta be right now. All right, Suze, I love you. Okay, I love you guys, too. Don't sit down. No, no. Metaphorically speaking. Yes, (laughs) thank you. Bye. Bye. And I I do want to tell the, uh, I forgot to tell everybody that the the full uh, Kimberly Jones uh, piece um, is on our Facebook page, and um, that should be shared widely, widely. I want to tell you that after she finishes that impromptu rant, she breaks down. She just runs to a friend and 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 um, is held. Yeah. Open our heads. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Stay cool. Got you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.